Blog Talk Radio. Everybody listening to Frights of the Roundtable. Uh, this is your host Jonathan Moody, and um, uh, well, hopefully my other two guests will be calling in uh, uh, in a in a sec. Um, but we've got uh, one of the guests already on the line, uh, Joe uh, Grisafi. How are you doing, Joe? Good, Jonathan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, no problem. We were just talking earlier about uh, basically. Texas uh, filmmakers and stuff, and how uh, and Texas actors, and so a lot, uh, how a lot of them are, I guess, are coming on my shows, which a lot of them are are busy. I just had um, Grace um, Patterson on the show on the right. Independent Corner. I don't know if you've worked with her or not, but I have not yet. Or no, I, I will eventually yeah. get to working with everybody in Texas. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, we've got our another guest on here. Uh, is this uh, Jared? Yes. Hey, Hello. what's going on? Uh, so this Everybody. is Jared Cohen. How you doing, Jared? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> uh, no problem. Um, I haven't heard from Paul, so I'm wondering whether or not he will be calling in. Um, but uh, I guess we'll, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll just do it. I mean, uh, Joe and uh, Joe. This is uh, Jared. Jared. Joe. Hi, Jared. Joe Grisafi. How's it going? Nice. It's going well. How about yourself? <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. Um, now, I guess I'll start it off. Uh, this is just uh, the Frights of the Roundtable works like this. I'll just be asking you guys questions. I'll ask one first and then the other one. If you guys want to cross talk at some point, uh, you know, you have something that you want to, like, you know, add to what the other person might have said, um, feel free. And um, so, uh, first of all, um, what got you into the business of filmmaking? Uh, I guess we'll go with Jared first, uh, alphabetically. Uh, you know, I love movies. Um, <laughs> so, you know, for me, um, you know, I, I, I had a actually a roommate who was an actor in college, and we would basically... Uh, you know, we, I was just taking kind of liberal art, or communication arts, and you know, wasn't really sure. And he, uh, we were just making little videos and films, and it was really fun. So uh, he was like, "I'm going out to L.A. to, uh, you know, work in the movie business." And I went out there with him and kind of hung out, and it was, uh, you know, so I started uh, getting into it, working, and you know was doing some writing, acting, and then got into, uh, actually went back to film school and, you know, got into, you know, cameras and lights and editing and After Effects and just kind of, you know, was really enjoyed it, you know, and, uh, you know, that was it. (laughs) All right. Well, what about you, Joe? Well, it goes, it goes way back. My dad used to, um, shoot eight millimeter films with us and we had a bunch of cartoons and like laurel and hardy movies on eight millimeter film and there was just something fascinating about holding a reel of film 
and putting it in the projector and, and spooling it up or getting it through the projector and just throwing it anywhere you wanted to. There was something fascinating about that that stuck with me. And then in college, when it was time to declare a major, which I really, really stalled <laughs> doing, I finally decided I'm going to make film and TV my major. And it was, again, it was kind of fascinating because at that, when I was in college, film school was film school. We were shooting 16-millimeter film and splicing the film in the dark room and with moviolas and razor blades and scotch tape. And that was just it was just a really rewarding experience that stuck with me. And um, now that the technology is so accessible, I am much more active in uh, making my own films. I shot my first feature film in 1998. It was called Laughing Boy. And we shot that on 16-millimeter film, and it was pretty expensive, uh, all things considered. It was still micro-budget, but when I'm paying it, you're paying for it yourself, $30,000 gets is kind of high. And now that you can, I can shoot a film for three or four thousand dollars. I'm starting to shoot more and more. But it's just, it was just a very rewarding experience, and um, I love, I love telling stories. In junior high, I w- writing was, um, I, I, I liked writing more than most of my classmates did. And when Halloween time came around in junior high, we'd always get to write our own stories, and the teacher would put the the best ones up on the wall and mine ended up on the wall and all that all that just kind of stuck with me all right uh so, okay uh going back to the next question um Jared, what do you feel is the hardest part of the filmmaking process uh you know without a doubt uh the hardest part is the like kind of irregularity of the you know, business. The hardest part is when you're not, you know, necessarily sure you have a thing or that you're trying to put together this movie and, you know, maybe you don't have all the funds or you're waiting, you know, or, or maybe the complete in-between time when there's, you're trying to get stuff together and seemingly, you know, things are like unicorns, you know, it's, it's a small miracle every time a movie gets made. Uh, so the, I think the hardest part is, uh, you know the not the the wanting things to come together and waiting. You know the patience factor. Uh, you know because we all you know love, I love you know we all love making movies and you know we just want to you know have this unlimited fund of money where we can just go out and make whatever movies we want and uh, you know unfortunately the economics of of the business uh, is 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 certainly the hardest part I would say I mean everything else is much easier in comparison. I agree right. with a lot of that. I agree with a lot of that. It's um I get impatient and people a lot of people I know say, Joe, you should be making movies with bigger budgets and I'm like, Well, it takes time to make raise money and I can just go out and shoot something today if I want to. And so yeah, the uh, impatient being impatient is part of my problem too. <laughs> I'm re- when yeah, I'm ready no, to shoot. I'm ready to shoot. I don't want to go I, out. I love and uh, low budget. You know, I love the speed of the shoot. Yeah, I mean, I've you know, I, that that's. But at the same time, it's not like it's you know, I've done. I've certainly done those like no, no budget. You know, they're fun. They're fun. It's great. And uh, but there's nothing like you know having a, a real budget and crew and 
star, you know, an act, you know, name actor. You know, when you have a real, it's just, you know, but nothing, nothing against making a, going out and shooting and, and making, making something. That's, you know, more power to that. And when you were talking about the cameras being affordable, accessible, that's amazing. All that, all that. Yeah, definitely. Um, but was that, would you agree, Joe, that that was the hardest part, or do you think that there's something else? Well, the hardest part for me has been doing everything. Like, you know, I'll my movies so far have been self-financed, and they've been micro-budget, and I think, I think they turn out really well. No one believes me when I tell them what little money I spent. But the hard part is when, at least for me, is not having any money requires me to wear many hats, even through post-production, where I end up editing and doing a lot of things that I really should have someone else doing because I, my career goal does not include be, being an editor. So I, I, do, I find it, it does get difficult because these things take longer when you have to do everything yourself. But I have found, right. for me, it's not, it's not too difficult to put together a team at the beginning, but it is difficult to keep that team together when there's no money. <laughs> right. People get people get excited when you say, "Hey, let's make a movie." Yeah, Joe, let's make a movie. And then you know, a week later, oh, I got to go to work. I can't come today. <laughs> that you run into that a lot. I'm sure every filmmaker that's listening has had that experience. <laughs> at least at some point in their life, most likely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, um, now to go on to that, uh, you know, subject, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask this to both of you because, um, you know, and I'll ask Jared first, but um, do you feel like you take on too many hats sometimes, and what do you do if, you, if it gets too overwhelming? Jared? Um, <clears throat> you know, I think it kind of rolls back into uh, uh, what Joe was saying. Um about, you know, having people, specific people, because, yeah, I mean, yeah, it certainly is possible to, you know, to shoot a movie, and, if you know, if you know how to use a camera and edit and, you know, understand the post process and, uh, you know, get, get oh, you know, if you, if you do, I've done, I've shot plenty of things, like, you know, like that, but, yeah, it gets, it's, that's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. And, but it wears uh, you down. It wears you down. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, and it's, yeah, so I mean it's and it also limit limiting, you know, to the kind of shots you can get and the you know, all, all, a lot of factors. So, yeah, I mean, much better to you know, you, you can make a movie with a very skeleton crew, you know, don't even, you know, if everyone listening, uh, you know, if you have one, even one one person, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you have a couple, you know, your actors and one person on the boom, and you can at least move, you know. And, oh, or, I, I've you know. had, I've done days on my films where it was I was the entire crew, and it, with just the actors, where we'd put the boom yeah. microphone on a C stand and a fishing rod holder, so that was our boom holder, and I would operate the sound, I would operate the camera. It worked out beautifully because it was never anything oh, complicated yeah. on a day like that. But still, I, I wish I had someone to take pictures of, <laughs> of there being nobody there. <laughs> Just so yeah, people no. see, you did it with nobody? And, yeah, it's hard. And, and yeah, I, like, yeah, I was uh, hiding I like, uh, the boom. <laughs> <laughs> Behind, like, a plan or, like, a... Yeah, and here, I, I'll give you a, a, a real example. 
um, in my experience, of how difficult it could be when you do try to do everything yourself. Um, several years, well, not several years ago, this was 2010, when we were supposed to be wrapping up post-production on my film Dead of Night, while I was, I had started shooting Lars the Emo Kid, con- with the confidence that Dead of Night was being taken care of, the sound mix was being done, and we had a premiere later that year that we were planning on. Well, I'm in the middle of shooting this new movie. The guy doing the sound drops the ball on Dead of Night. So now I'm super stressed out. I've got to finish, shoot one movie while I'm going to finish the other. Shortly after that, I ended up in the hospital. (laughs) with um, High blood pressure got to me and affected my heart. So everything shut down because there was no but no money to pay anybody. I was doing everything myself and and when I shut down everything shut down. And that's unfortunate because then everyone involved wonders if the movies are ever going to get finished and they start to get upset even though there was a real good reason everything stopped. But um, you just you just feel bad. I felt really really bad for everybody that helped me because I couldn't do anything about it for like six months. And there was no no one could take over or anything. So it just kind of sat there and people lost interest and wondered if they were ever going to get released. Luckily they did. They all got finished. But it took it took a while. And I don't want to ever find myself in that position again. Yes. I mean, that's, that sucks because, you know, when you're, you're kind of doing everything yourself, you're financing it yourself, you know, it, it becomes a big burden because then it's it's not like you can blame something somebody else, you know. You're pretty much, you know, yeah, it's the all one on everybody's you. kind of looking at. <laughs> it's all yeah, on so you. So from that experience, yeah. um, I did, there, are, there are certain positions that I will pay. I will pay certain positions for from here on out to make sure that they're there when I need it and I don't have to do it. Like the the sound mix, the sound engineer for post production. I don't want to yeah, do that. Can't do that. I have to pay that guy. I'm always going to set money aside for that guy, if I can. Yeah, that's your sound. Yeah. Sound is yeah. Sound mixer is uh, yeah crucial. That's one thing that if you know that I I mean I can tinker around and like you know sound booth or audition and clean you know clean up. Dialogue, but I, I, yeah, that's a whole. That's like a very specific. Uh, oh yeah, art. Um, it, it, it's it's I mean, so critical. You can survive with a few out of focus shots and whatnot, but if the audience can't hear what's going on, you lose them very quickly. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It's cru- cru- crucial. Um, now, Jared, you you worked with um, the asylum and stuff. I mean, do you still work with them, or do you? Just yeah. Know, oh yeah. I, you know, love, love, love the asylum. You know, I directed uh, seven movies for them, uh, a bunch of which I, I wrote. Uh, so you know, those guys. I'm you know I always have you know love love for them and keeping me busy. And um, I have a uh, pro- upcoming project uh, that uh, I'm you know uh, it, nothing's you know confirmed so I don't want to blab about it but uh 
talking with them shortly to kind of figure it out and hopefully uh, I can then announce, announce it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'll keep making movies with those guys, you know, as long as they uh, let me. So that, yeah. that brings me to my next question cool. because, you know, even though they're, um, a stu- you know, a studio, they, they kind of become, I, I've heard from their, from a bunch of different people that have worked with them, that it almost becomes like working with a family. Um, do you feel that working with people constantly um, is, is a great idea because you guys are able to communicate well, or do you feel like sometimes, just like family, you start to get kind of like uh, the problems arise because you're too close to the people? What do you think, Jared? You know, I mean, uh, you know, I think there's some people that I would work with, you know, on every show, and I work with I work with a lot of the same people. Uh, uh, you know, in, in terms of, you know, crew and, uh, you know, they're great at their job and they're cool to be around and, you know, and, uh, and, uh, actors, uh, you know, as well, but, you know, obviously that's different because, you know, you have to be right for the role. So you always have to, you know, do what's best for the project. Uh, but it's certainly, uh, you know, if there's a friend or someone that I like that's a talented actor and they're right for it, you know, they'll be on my, you know, they'll definitely get a, consideration but with crew you know uh um i definitely always would hire uh you know a lot of the same people and uh you know taking some time to kind of you know meet you know and and, you know find the right group of people you know and not everyone's available on every show so naturally uh you know you're not always going to be working with you always you know the same exact crew unless you're you know clint eastwood and you know, again, you know, it's a major, you know, in that time to, you know, but on, a, on an independent movie, you know, it's people, you know, are got to work. They got to take the jobs that, you know, they can. They got to pay the, pay the bills. So that's very understandable. Yeah. Well, what about you, Joe? What do you think? No, I, I do think there's a lot of value in working with the same people as often as you can. Um, you know, you know what to expect. You know who's loyal. Um, there are fewer surprises. I tend to work with. There's a group of actors I work with as often as I can on my films, and I know I know I'm going to get a really good performance. But I also have to remember I still have to challenge them so we don't fall into this routine where oh just do your thing and you're good. I still have to challenge them, but I know they're up for it. Um, per- personally, I'm still I'm still working on it figuring out who my entire crew is going to be when I do start getting a budget. Um, But I do have some very loyal friends that do help me when I can. But uh, like Jared said, they still got to go make a living, so they're not always there when I'm ready to shoot, when I have something to go. And if I don't have any money to pay them, they can only help me in their free time. So, But I I do like that support system of having at least a few regular people to constantly work with, even to bounce ideas off of that get me and know. And, and it is easier to communicate with them because you just you just learn each other's thoughts. You learn how to anticipate what each other is thinking, which is incredibly helpful when you're, uh, especially when you're crushed for time on a set. Yeah, definitely. Okay, now you both have worked in the horror genre um, and did you uh, did you seek that out, or did you kind of 
fall into it, um, Jared? Um, you know, I mean, uh, when I decided to, uh, to make, you know, make a movie making a, a career, I, you know, I was, um, I, I mean, not, didn't intentionally say I'm going to go and, you know, make, uh, horror, horror films. You know, I love genre films, you know, action, horror, thrillers and stuff like that. So I, I, I kind of throw, cause I mean, horrors and thrillers and, you know, they all have action and drama. I mean, there's always good character, you know, a good script has good character, you know, and good story regardless of the genre. So, uh, for me, it's a, you know, it's about the story and if, you know, it's it's a, a horror film, you know, it still has to be, you know, you're not going to care. Even if it has, like, great, you know, gore effects and creatures and and all that stuff, like, you still still has to be a good script, you know, a good story. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of good stories and you know, good, you know, I think they, those, that's what translates to good movies. So, uh, you know, for me, the, the, the genre of a film is... Uh, you know, less important than the story, but certainly there's genres that, you know, I, I, I write personally, you know, as I'm, you know, writing, I, I'm pretty much most of my scripts are, you know, have some sort of, you know, genre slant, uh, you know, I mean, every, yeah, that's, that's, that's a little rant right there. <laughs> you know, with, uh, it's, it's okay. Uh, what do you, what about you, Joe? Well, I grew up loving, I, I I was a kid in the '70s, and we I grew up with like the the '77 King Kong and all the H.G. Wells movies, the t- eco terror films. So horror was kind of a, there's a soft spot in my heart for it. Um, my first film though was a comedy. My favorite film of all time is The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad. If that tells you anything about me, <laughs> that's my one my single favorite movie of all time ever in the history of cinema and it's a lot of filmmakers think what but no i love i love a really good comedy but like jared said it's it's the story um i've done two horror films one really conjoined though was really a comedy we just under the umbrella of being a horror film it's a comedy first uh but my first film laughing boy was a comedy and what I learned from that process in distribution was it's hard to sell a comedy unless you have an actor in it that people know. So that film, it played in a few places all over the world. It's on Netflix, and it's I think it's Netflix streaming and DVD still. But it didn't make us any money. And through that lesson, I learned that horror is, a relatively safe bet for the low-budget filmmaker because you don't have to have the stars. If the horror film turns out bad, there's still an audience for it. Um, so I decided to make my second film a horror film. I, I actually sought out a horror script. I found a, I was looking for horror scripts. I found a writer that was willing to work with us, Emilio Esciello. He wrote Dead of Night for us with the understanding we're going to make this movie for less than $5,000, so don't write anything crazy. Um, so I sought right. out a horror film. Yeah, I sought out a horror film. He did a gr- he wrote a great script. The story was fantastic, it, and it had a lot of heart. And even that horror film is still really a love story. So it really had heart, and 
there was a real story there. There were real relationships. You cared about these people. They weren't just victims being chased by a masked killer, you know. Right. So, like like Jared said, the, really the script is everything. If you have a good script, I'm interested. It doesn't have to, I don't have to do horror films. But because right. I'm an actor as well, I'm an actor as well, and there's a lot of horror films being shot in Houston. And for a few years, I was part of the horror scene. That's all people saw me as. And um, I'm now that Lars the Emo Kid is about to start hitting the festival circuit, I think people are going to see I'm much, uh, I have more range than that. But I still love it. Don't get me wrong. I will do, if it's all I ever did again, if, the, if, all, if someone said all you can ever do is horror films, I would be happy to do them because <laughs> I love them. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so we're we're almost out of time, so I want to ask the last question, which is what's the um, best advice that you've ever been given? Uh, Jared? Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, persistence uh, is always going to help. And, uh, you know, kind of just, you know, the concept that, you know, you got to really, you know, work hard and it's just, you know, hard work, you know, and and putting your energy out there and being smart and constantly, you know, doing things and, you know, work begets work. You know, just all, not to sound cliche, but, you know, all the, all the, cliche, those, you know, motivational memes and whatever. Uh, you know they all they're all you know true uh for the most part uh unless you're you know born very rich or very well <laughs> connected to people in 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 this industry particularly uh you know it's certainly uh nepotism and so you're comp- if you're an outsider you got to compete with that uh if you don't have money you got to do you know you got to deal with that uh uh and you know the best thing that I did for myself was, you know, learn, you know, was work crew and learn, you know, to edit and learn to shoot and, uh, you know, sound and kind of get well-rounded and kind of being that and helps you can get more involved with other people's projects and get on the scene. And, you know, I was a quick example was I, I was shooting, uh, BTS, you know, behind the scenes on a, on a movie. I was hired to, you know, bring my camera and shoot interviews with the actors. And one of the actors was uh, Jamie Kennedy, and I just got, you know, opportunity to interview him just because, you know, he was doing this uh, a Lifetime movie, uh, and that's how I was able to get him uh, a script for one of my projects that eventually, you know, went on to uh, to get made. That we got to him, and he played the part. So, uh, Buddy Hutchins just came out. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, just put yourself out there, you know, and you got to, you know, be able to accept a lot of rejection. You know, it's very tough business. Uh, you know, whether you're acting or screenwriting or directing, anything above the line, you know, is going to be tough. You know, if you want to produce and you want to get money and raise money, that's going to be tough. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, even if you're, even, you know, if you're a crew, crew guy, uh, getting in the union and getting, you know, that's, but that's, you know, there's always, 
like you know work work if you work hard and you're good a good technician you know it's more much i think it's more of a stable you know stable path but if you want to make your own films then it's a little bit more complex you know but yeah uh, that's all it, right you know. well what about yeah well I, what about you joe i think the best piece of advice i ever got was in an acting class with a woman named chris wilson and it applies to filmmaking as well. And her advice was, if there is something else you can do that would make you happy, go do that. <laughs> Fortunately, there was nothing else I could think of to make me happy, so I stuck with this. Um, I say that jokingly that she said that, but it, it, it's true. And it's because of everything Jared just said. It's really hard to do what we're trying to do. And you don't see... Result. I I didn't see results for like ten years. I was just felt like I was getting nowhere, but I stuck with it. And then finally, you get a little breakthrough. You get a little break. Someone gives you someone cuts you some slack, and you make a little progress. You start to get a few more roles. Someone gives you a little bit of money to help you with your film. But um, I would say lately, a great piece of advice that I have heard, which I've you know I've known and I've done. But it just kind of got reinforced this week, actually. it was Someone was giving the advice to some young filmmakers, and they said, protect your reputation. And they meant, don't do anything that's going to make people not want to hire you. Be professional on set. Be nice to everybody. Don't complain. Uh, be on time. Be the guy that they want to hire, whether it's crew, cast, your, your producers hiring you as a director, Protect your reputation because that's all you have. And some directors, you might be a mediocre director, but if you've got a really good reputation, you've got a chance. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's, yeah, attitude, that's a good... Uh, attitude is key. Yeah, keep a good attitude. And don't fall... Advice I give to some people is, you know, don't fall into that... Facebook social networking trap of gossiping and jumping on, jumping on, jumping down people's throats, complaining online. Because I, I work in commercials too. I do some casting for commercials here in Texas, in Houston specifically. And producers, and just a guy I worked with this month out of Los Angeles, told me, "Yeah, I went to your Facebook page. I like to, I like to research people I'm about to hire." So be careful what you do online because people are looking. People are paying attention. So kind of censor, filter what, filter your thoughts. Think about what it looks like to the people that might hire you uh, before you start posting uh, nonsense or negative negativity, you know? Yeah, that's a great yeah, point. You know, <laughs> a lot of people have, have their two, like, there's like so many people that it's just so funny that, uh, yeah, they have like an it's like an alter ego. They seem like a very positive, very nice person, or very or something, or, or or maybe the opposite, or whatever. But then like you can see like posting these things, and it's like completely like out of left field or negative. And you're like, oh my god, like like I I and you'll your opinion or you'll 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 think of them differently. It's it's so true. People and it's like you know people read that. <laughs> Yeah, and you do get to a point where it does, you know you can kind of loosen up and 
say what you really speak your mind after you reach a certain point and you have regular people that hire you. But if you're trying to break in, if you people don't know you well, you just got to be careful what you put out there. Yeah, I I definitely agree because I don't know if you guys notice any of my posts, but a lot of them are very positive posts about whatever, you know, and I I try to do that. Actually, a lot of people notice, you know, keep telling me, oh, your posts are very positive, and I'm like, thank you. I'm not, like, aiming for that, but, you know, (laughs) like, I guess that's just, uh, you know, how I am anyway. And then, you know, there are times and times when I feel like I want to freaking scream and, like, say things and I'm I'm really working on censoring myself which is a lot harder to do because it's so easy to post negative stuff or things yeah, you don't I'm like not on don't, Facebook. I'm I'm not necessarily saying censor yourself, don't speak your mind, but be careful. Be careful how think about it, see how it think about how it would come across to some a stranger that might be looking to hire somebody. Speak your mind. Have opinions. I'm not saying don't do that, but yeah, definitely. Just definitely, be careful. Yes. Just be careful. Don't be. Yeah. Well, you people, gotta yeah speak your mind. But Facebook is yeah. I mean, you know, we're all you know, it's people are very, it's people are sensitive. You know, for some odd reason, you know, very sensitive. Uh, and everything can be anything can be misinterpreted in text. Yes. There you go. That's the thing. I, I, I type things every, and every now and then I go, oh wow, that could come across really poorly, and, and especially in email. Right. Sometimes I'll shoot off a quick email to a client, and then I'll think, oh wow, that came across really snotty or something, and it was just stating a fact, you know. Yeah, you can't. Right. That, a lot of that stuff you can't get back. So. <laughs> Thank God you can edit things on Facebook if you want to, or delete it. If you realize, oh crap, that's <laughs> you Whoops. know. Uh, sadly, you can't do that in real life, you know. <laughs> um, but I was I was heard to say was to to think to yourself, uh, you know, does it need to be said? Does it need to be said right now? And does it need to be said right now by me? Right. That's you know, like I, if you think about long, that, then yeah. What, there was a guy that got on my case years ago. Before, this was pre-Facebook, and when, I, when I, we were just everyone just had their own personal websites, and I would go on. There was one right. film that was just so such a bad experience. I couldn't help but like blog about it. And I, the, right. that guy gave me the advice. It's like you know you really shouldn't do that. And you know if you're going to do that, you're, you're naming names, Joe. <laughs> Don't name names <laughs> if you're going to do that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Jared, uh, what are you like? What are you up to now, and how can people reach you? Um, you know, I got a, a few things uh, on the kind of cooker, you know, uh, and uh, yeah, you can keep up with me on you know jaredcone.com. I'm on, you know. You know, Facebook uh, and Twitter. I'm at, at Traplite Media. You know, uh, yeah. You know, just lately. You know, I mean, um, you know, I think I, I start shooting something in a couple of weeks, uh, so I'll, I'll 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 post something that on about that, and uh, yeah, keep keep people keep people in the loop. Okay. 
how about you, Joe? I got some things in the works. Uh, some we might be shooting something in May, uh, and hopefully something else in the fall. I don't want to shoot in the summertime in Houston anymore. That's just it's just ridiculously hot. Um, and people can track me down mostly on Facebook, uh, Joe Grisafi, that's spelled G-R-I-S-A-F-F-I, or look for Starship Films, facebook.com slash starshipfilms, or starshipfilms.com. And we're finished. my film, Lars the Emo Kid, finished post-production, or we got a, a couple of fine, little fine-tuning to do in March, but we're already submitting it to festivals, so I'm really excited about that. That's Lars the Emo Kid. It's a, I think it's my my best film I've done so far. It's going to be hard to top without getting more money for the next one. Well, hopefully you do. Um, I like to think think this one's going to be the the last one I have to do that cheap. (laughs) (laughs) That would be great. Um, Well, thank you guys so much for calling in, and I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I sure did. And nice to meet uh, you guys there. are definitely welcome back, you know, anytime. Awesome. Thanks, John. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And, uh, nice to chat with you, Joe. You too, and, Jared. All right. All right you guys, guys have a great night. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye. No All right. Bye. All right, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, join me next uh, Tuesday. Not sure. I know all I know for certain right now is John Johnson will be joining us. But aside from that, I'm trying to figure out who the other two uh, or one other person is. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Also, just note that this one hopefully will be the last time you'll hear that that theme music that we have right now, which is actually royalty-free kind of music from um, Kevin McLeod. Uh, so really it's not an original Fright to the Round Table um, thing. So uh, tune in, uh, I guess, uh, tune in next week and hopefully on Tuesday. Hopefully uh, we'll have a brand new theme music from my uh, my buddy Jeff Brassfield, who is uh, working on it. Um, so let me know, uh, let me know what you guys think. Check out the Frights of the Round Table Facebook page and Twitter just Look us up on there. All right. Have a good night. Bye.